You are now listening to the Claim It podcast with me, Trisha Huffman, your joyologist. On this podcast, I have conversations with people who intrigue and inspire me. We talk about their journey, how they got to where they are today, the ups, the downs, the fears, the doubts, all of the good stuff and other stuff that comes with it. Because it is my mission to remind you that your joy, your worth, your value, your enoughness isn't out there somewhere. Once I have this, then I'll feel this. Nope. (laughs) You got to claim it all in the now. And as you are moving forward, striving for more, or just enjoying your life in the freaking now, because we never know what's going to happen. On today's episode, I have Yvette Gonzalez-Nasier. She's a singer-songwriter, actress, philanthropist, who's currently starring in Town on Broadway. I met her years ago when she was on a kid's show called The Fresh Beat Band, and um, I was just super inspired by her, and I've continued to see her flourish and wow, did I love getting to know her story and her journey and like many times along the way where she trusted herself and what she was feeling, even though on the outside, it might not have looked like what everybody else felt was the best choice for her. So yeah, super inspired by her and her story. So let's get to it. Okay, so I first met you, Yvette. That's how I pronounce your name, right? Yeah. Sometimes I'm all like, wait, am I saying the right thing? (laughs) When you were with the Fresh Beat Band. That's right. And I was working with Jason Raz, and he was on the show. And then you guys did a show together. Yeah. And that was before I had kids. So I did not know about any kids shows. But oh that gosh. that was a big show, right? It was a big show. Yeah. It was like it had so many different life like phases that we went through too because it was the TV version and then we toured the show. Yeah. Like to promote the music on the show and then that was like Beatles for Tots or like all this craziness. Like we were like selling out Madison Square Garden and like all these like crazy venues and and then they made an animated version of it. So it just kind of kept evolving and like it was yeah. like a long chapter. <laughs> but a good How one. long was that in total? Oh, gosh. Um, well, three years in the show and then one animated year. Probably. Wow. Probably, probably like six years altogether. Wow. That yeah. is. That's like that's the whole life. <laughs> well, not so, a whole life. <laughs> so I'm guessing how did when you so right now you're on Broadway, which yeah. is amazing. Oh, Jason Mraz says congratulations. Thanks, Jason. Forgot to tell you that before we started <laughs> recording. <laughs> and that just made me remind because I told him oh last God. night I was talking to you. And <laughs> uh, I like I love that I, I know about everybody's lives through social media. So <laughs> I know what everyone's up to. So I'm like, a million congratulations to Jason. <laughs> <laughs> but um Okay, but so right now you're on Broadway, which is singing and acting. Fresh Street, Fresh Beat Band was singing and acting. So when you 
I'm guessing you ne- had to audition for Fresh Beat Band. Were, oh yeah, that were you a- more pursuing acting or singing or or both? Where um, I'm trying to go back in time. So for at that time, I was actually living in New York um, for a brief period of time. I was in New York for like a year and a half, and I was doing a lot of songwriting and writing for other artists, and oh, okay. I was producing for other artists, and I was kind of like also doing like my own little project but kind of half-heartedly a little bit I was more focused on like other people and and I think I would do a lot of music gigs like to pay the bills like I would sing on the weekends I was gonna tell you a very specific gig I don't know if I should (laughs) go for it (laughs) like I sang for the mafia (laughs) that was weird did that for a while good Um, good money I'm like (laughs) like, paid your bills (laughs) it was hilarious I mean oh my gosh and I was, I'm really, I'm really fast at learning things. So they'd be like, do you know the song Dollface? And I was like, yeah, I would go to the bathroom and like learn it and like sing it. And they just like cash tips, just like every time you sing. This is great. Um, but so I was doing music, if you call it, you know, and, um, and then some acting gigs here and there. And then I got a call from my agent. They're like, okay, you need to sing, act and dance and play an instrument. I was like, okay. At my audition, I ended up, playing like some Alicia Keys song on the piano and singing. And then I played a, a song on guitar and then they're like, Oh, can you play? They, they thought I had my violin. They're like, can you play devil one down to Georgia? And I was like, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> so I just started like playing the song. It was like crazy country song. And I almost didn't actually make the call back because I was not feeling well that day. And I so tried you getting got, out of it. The, oh, so you got called back, but so you almost didn't go. And then I called my agent. I was like, I'm not really feeling well. Do I have to go? They're like, yes, you have to go. Um, that's my generic agent voice. Nobody in my agency talk like that. And then, so I went and I booked it and they flew me to California and I did the screen test and was partnered up with different people. And it was just a whole kind of long, exciting process. Was that the first time you had? So then let's go back to... You're living in New York. It sounds like you're mostly doing music stuff. Yeah. Had you been doing acting before that? Like what was... Oh, yeah, you know, what's interesting with, with music and acting because I've been, and I'll tell you my whole history if you want. It's a long one, but I've been yeah. pre- performing <laughs> and, <laughs> and like just being involved in all things creative for as long as I can remember, you know? So it was one of those things where sometimes you end up working more as an actor and sometimes you work more as a singer and you just kind of switch hats. And then I'm wearing a hat right now for those of you tuning in. It's a good, they're not going to be able to see you. I know. But it's a good hat. And you look, I like, <laughs> like, I'm trying to not comment on people's, it's, uh, that's also, I'm trying to like not comment on people's external experiences. But then it's also like a natural thing. It's like, I'm like, and you look so cute in it. But uh, uh, she probably, you know, like, it's also. <laughs> it's so funny though. That's, I think it's really awesome to not do that because like, I feel like we should highlight some of these inner qualities and be like wow your courage is really sexy or whatever I don't know something um, no <laughs> and not so like maybe we're allowed to give external feedback physical as long as it's not all we give I don't know <laughs> yeah balance is always good I mean we are so human so it is you know part of our packaging I suppose yeah okay getting back to okay so then you were always <laughs> Like, so you grew up acting and singing, like, as a passion, or did you do it in school? Well, well, okay. Well, I actually started when Let's I was really little. at the very beginning. At the very beginning? Okay. My very beginning is I started with violin. So my mom, who was, and she's so amazing, she was taking these classes at the, 
Institute for the Development of Human Potential in Philadelphia, which is so random. What is she, that? Wow, that sounds amazing. It sounds amazing, right? And it's like, oh man, it was. We had so many interesting um, learning tools that she that she did when we were growing up. Like she would make these flashcards and put like the Sistine Chapel, and then turn it around and be like, okay, who did this? And we have to call out the painters' names and like things like that. But she she learned there that it was really positive to bring up your children with music. So she had my sisters and I start taking violin lessons. And I was like, why violin? Yeah, why and violin? she told me, right, it's like very specific. And she told me it was the smallest instrument a toddler could handle that she could think of. Oh. Um, this is pretty wild. She, she made a cardboard violin when I was like one and a half. So we could learn how to hold it and stand with it. And then when I was three, I started taking lessons. So it was just like this thing that was always very young. Yeah. Very young. And then growing up, you know, we took guitar and piano and just music and, and creative expression was always a big part of, of growing up. Um, I used to also like write poetry and then start singing it, not being fully aware that was songwriting, you right. know? And it, um, was she musical or just she was like reading about this help will help the kids develop? You know, what's funny. She, she, she wasn't, I mean, I mean, I actually, I take that back. I think she has, she has a beautiful voice. Cause I remember we'd go to church and she'd be singing and I was like, you sound like an angel. <laughs> and, but my dad is like the total antithesis of that. Like he does not get it. He doesn't really have a musical bone in his body. Like he just doesn't like, he's not drawn to the arts in the same way, but my mom just has a real big appreciation for all things creative. Like, and she was always very supportive. And so we actually, when we were growing up, we played in this youth orchestra. And that was one of my favorite experiences for so many reasons. I had these, I don't know, marker moments. Is that a thing? When it's like a moment that defines you, we'll call it. Sounds, yeah, that sounds like We're going to make a term. We, oh. Trisha, this is called a yeah. marker moment. <laughs> <laughs> sounds oh, great. Yeah. And I'm going to start using it now. <laughs> <laughs> this is a marker moment. Um, there was this conductor. I always remember her name was Alice Ayala. And, um, we were playing Prokofiev's The Moldau, which is like this really beautiful orchestral piece. And um, she had everybody close their eyes and listen to it and then imagine some like scene going on. And then we would open our eyes and paint what we saw, which is like reverse film scoring. And I just remember being so fascinated by that and like just falling like deeper in love with music in that moment. And I would always, I don't know, I was always like writing plays for my sisters and I to be in and we'd like perform them for my family. And it was very fancy. It was very fancy. For sure. We had curtains that were made of blankets and we <laughs> had a lot of costume changes because it was just the three of us. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. And then just, it was just always part of what I did, you know, what I loved, like singing and stuff like I mean, I totally blame Disney movies, honestly, for like the initial low. I'm sure you can relate to that already. <laughs> yeah, as we were just talking before as we were recording about my two-year-old's obsession with being called different characters. Or blip. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> That's real. But it's funny because growing up, like I didn't have American Idol growing up. So being famous and all that was never in my field of desires. I just always enjoyed expressing myself that way. And I, I liked the way my body felt when I sang. And just seeing all the different colors I could make with my voice. And, and then I would, I don't know. Then I guess when I went to high school, this was interesting too. Like we had to sign up for an elective or for like an arts class. And I wasn't too excited about, for whatever reason, about signing up for any of them. So as a throwaway, I was just signed up for an intro to chorus class. <laughs> and there were three levels. And this was like the beginner one. 
And I remember kind of rolling my eyes about the whole thing, like, oh, this is going to suck. And on the first day, the teacher, this is another marker moment. (laughs) (laughs) She, um, She just started talking just about all these different styles of music and how you can change your voice to sing in different styles. And she, her name was Dr. Candace Wiki, and she's still one of my dear friends. Um, and she went on to imitate a whole bunch of different styles that sounded so amazing. Like, in, like every time she did a different style, it was just amazing. It was like really good. And I was like, I want to do that. So yeah, just music and, and, and acting and performing were just my little passion. You know? So then what did you do when you got out of high school? Did you go to college for anything? Did you start pursuing anything on the side? Were you like, this is going to be my career? Or you just knew like, yeah, that singing will always be a part of my life. Performing will be a part of my life. Well, it's funny because I actually went through a phase where I wanted to be a figure skater. <laughs> but growing up in Miami, that was really hard. So aside from that, I just didn't want to really do anything else. But I, I did go to college. Um, speaking of imitating voices, like I ended up taking um, voice lessons at a community college while I was in high school. And the teacher was like, you have to do classical. Like, you have to do it. And she's actually one of my dear friends too still. Um, her name is Dr. Colton. Um, but we, I, I just ended up being really good at imitating opera. And so I got almost a full scholarship to the University of Miami. And then I just went there. And, and then I did some theater as, as well. As an opera singer? As an opera singer. Wow. And then I graduated uh, with my BA when I was 19 because I started really young. That's another story. <laughs> That's another story, though. <laughs> I basically, I was like, let's do that one real fast. Basically, I, I knew how to read and write already when I was little. So they skipped me and I didn't have to do first grade. But then I started second grade when I was five instead of seven, which is kind of I don't think that's ideal. Like I would never let my, cause I got bullied as a kid for being too little and like yeah. kids are mean. So, um, so I wouldn't recommend that, but I did get out of college fast as a result. Of that. So did you graduate high school at like 16? I, at 16. And then I was taking all those voice classes and chamber music and other electives while I was in high school for college credit. So I had a bunch of electives already wow. done. And then I, when I graduated. And that was all from your true like desire to want to do it. It wasn't like, even I'm, like, like taking these classes while I'm oh, in yeah. high school because you like love it. It's not like, well, I just really enjoyed the community that I had at the just kind of outside things like in at the community college. A lot of my friends were students that went there that were just studying there and we would do these plays and we would do, you know, the operas that Dr. Coulter Beverly, she would put on and um. And so there was just like, it was really fun. It was like a fun, acti- a fun after school activity for me. Yeah. Wow. And, but, at the, and I just really was a little, it's kind of almost embarrassing because I wasn't really aware of like, oh, that's right. We have to get a job. Or like, oh yeah, we have to go to college. Like to the point that <laughs> when I was in high school, I was so busy doing extra like plays here and there that I didn't necessarily study for SATs or that kind of thing. And so I didn't get enough money initially to go anywhere else. And so I ended up going to that same community college for one year, but I ended up doing my two years in one year. I just got over it so I could like get out of there quickly wow. and then transferred all my credits and then finished the last two years with a full ride basically for offer. <laughs> so then what did you do? <laughs> so this is where it gets funny. <laughs> just kidding. Then I, I went, uh, what did I do? I mean, I think I had like a few months of, you know, when I graduated, I 
it's funny again with like, well, what do I do now? Because now I think I auditioned to some opera programs when I was too young for the young artist programs. And do you so remember I, having input from your parents too about like, oh, you're supposed to, you know, no, do this. Some, you need- I mean, my parents are amazing. Don't get me wrong, but I actually didn't get a lot of input or guidance. And I felt like, and to this day, like sometimes I was, I'm always like, I wish I had a guidance counselor or someone to like show me where I'm supposed to go. And meanwhile, uh, most people are like, their parents are like trying to be like, you need to do this, go get a safe job, do that. Like, so you're like, why weren't you giving me input? But most people are like, don't talk to, like, I want to do this. Stop trying to tell me to do this. I know. It's so bizarre. I actually, I've I've asked my mom about that too. I'm like, why didn't you guys ever like be disapproving or say, no, you shouldn't do that. She's like, hey, because you were good at it. So so I just, I guess didn't, yeah, it, it was just kind of strange, but I didn't know. I remember having this conversation with myself. <laughs> I'm not crazy, maybe a little. No, but I sat myself down and said, okay, but I guess we need to make money. Okay, well, let's make a goal. <laughs> I was like, well, how much money should you make? And I said, let's make $4,000 a month. And then I kind of reverse engineered it. I'm like, okay, to do that, I need to do X, Y, and Z. So I ended up singing at Florida Grand Opera and this other opera company. And I taught voice and violin. And I was a music teacher at, from kindergarten through eighth grade. Like I did eight different music jobs because those are my skills. And I yeah. was able to meet my goal. And I remember thinking, this is not really that fun. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then I ended up a friend of mine um, that was at all my friends at UM were in the jazz department. And so one of them had referred me to this gig singing backup and a duet or whatever with Engelbert Humperdinck, king of romance. And so... And he's really cool. And so I ended up going and auditioning for this gig. And to I be a backup it. singer. And I was so happy because I just had one job instead of eight. So and was I, that locally or touring? It was a world tour. Yeah. So I got to go to like so many countries and then we sang like some duets together. And it was like, and then the backup gig, obviously. And it was just so cool. I got to travel and, you know. Yeah. Then that's perform. how old were you? You were pretty young. Probably so. 20. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't 21 yet because I remember being out with a band and they're like, I'm like, but I'm not 21 yet. There was like some reason that I couldn't go somewhere. <laughs> but it was cool. It was like a really great um, way to kind of dip my toes in the water of like, oh, this is touring and this is a music and career and this is this is cool. So yeah, that's that awesome. Next. <laughs> How long were you touring with him? I think I probably toured with him for like a year. and then. Maybe a year later, I remember I got a call. I had just, you know, like when you're a freelance musician and singer and whatever, you end up booking a bunch of random gigs. And I remember it was like the summertime and I booked my whole month. I'm like, look at this month. Like I was so proud of it. And then I get a call and he's like, do you want to go to Asia for a month and do this tour? Because one of the girls is scared of getting like malaria or something like that. And I was like, sure. So I ended up doing it for another month. And I saw like, you know, you know, it is like 10 countries in a month. And it was just a really cool trip. And was that when you stopped working with him? Was it because you were ready to do something else or they were like not touring? Okay. So you were like, I was ready to do something else. But again, it's that whole thing of like, you know, guidance. And like, I wasn't even sure what that was going to be. I just, but you were just new. Okay. This is fun. And this has been cool, but I don't think this is like what I want to keep doing. Yeah. It just felt like it's time to grow. 
you're not yeah. growing anymore in the way that you need to. So well, that's so. big because so many people, it's like, yeah, would just be like, okay, um, this is I get to sing, I get to see the world, I get to make money. And so I'm gonna stay with this because it's not like you didn't like it probably, but you had this sense of like, okay, but there's something more out there yeah, for me. Absolutely. And you listened, even though you didn't know what that was. Yeah. Yeah. That's and major. It's and it's so funny because like I've, there's been moments in my life when I felt that way and Maybe, maybe even personally, you know, you stay in a situation a little too long or what, mm -hmm. but it's not, it's like, that's, you move on when you're supposed to move on, but I'm trying to get better at listening and like kind of silencing all the outside voices and like the, the programming that maybe I've even done to myself in some way, or like that I've kind of adopted and just like, listen, so like yeah. listen, my heart of hearts, you know? Well, that's what I'm saying. It's so big that back then and still like that to have moments of feeling like I think I've like outgrown this or this doesn't feel like it's serving me anymore but most of the time if we don't know what's next or what else it is then we'll just like stay there but then yeah. you're not really making space for yeah. figuring it out so I see that so often like you know in like coaching and talking to clients I'm like but they don't want to live at the space living in the space of I don't know is so uncomfortable People don't yeah. want to do it. So they'll just stay yeah. in the space that doesn't feel like they're thriving, but then they're like burnout and not fulfilled. So they don't have any space to figure out what they want, but yeah. then they can't stop or whatever. Cause then that's just even the fray, the fear of saying like of someone asking them a question and being like, well, what are you doing? You can't quit that job if you don't know what else you want. Or you can't leave, you know, it's this feeling like that people are so afraid to live in the, I don't know, or to just even say, oh, what are you doing now? Oh, you quit that job or okay, you're not touring anymore. What are you going to do? Yeah. You need a, you need an answer. You need yeah. an answer. Like I need an answer. So I can't do that. And just be like, Oh, I don't know. I'm figuring it out. Or I'm not sure that wasn't serving me. Like it's okay to be in the, I don't know. It I was like, totally okay. It's like, yeah. if you don't know what your purpose is and your job is to figure out what that is. And that's okay to stop and unplug yourself to do that. I will say though, from experience that like something that I actually was really like, I really got it last year. Um, I was having this weird year where I was like, wasn't sure like work-wise what was going to happen. So I started saying yes to like, I started producing like, like as a producer for like TV and film stuff. Like I was like producing oh, and like wow. commercials and like, it was like a weird, like brief chapter. And I didn't necessarily like that side of it. And then, so I, I was like, well, I, I don't want to do that. And I wanted to unplug a little bit, but I, what I found was that sometimes though, it's okay to take action and just say yes to things. And so I started just like saying yes. And this was an interesting experiment. I don't know if this is like necessarily relevant to what we were just talking about, but it it's made me all think good <laughs> about, um, because like living in the, I don't know, sometimes like I tried, actually, I took a little time where I kind of, it wasn't that I didn't know. It was just like, sometimes you don't know where your next job is going to come from, for example. Yeah. And so you start making things and then maybe they work out and maybe they don't. And so I don't know. It's just the idea of like just creating momentum and creating motion, forward motion. Like that's always yeah. a big like thing for me. And so like last year I was like, I'm just going to say yes. And so I, I went on this audition. My agent sent me on. I'm like, I didn't want to do the gig. Like I already knew. And I, but I was like, sure, I'll go. Yes. And then I go. And then the, the casting director who had cast me before was like, I'm not going to cast you in this role. I'm like, okay, because <laughs> I didn't want to do it anyway. And then he's like, but would you go in for this other thing next week? And I also didn't want to do that, but I was saying, yes. So I'm like, you know what? And this is obviously not like 
sound advice. I'm just telling you my personal. No, experience. go. Yeah. And so I said yes, and that turned out to be great. And it was a lot of theater. And that's kind of why I said no, because I didn't want to do theater. But I kept saying yes. And then I, they offered me another show like in December. And then while I was doing another show in, in, in the wintertime, I got a call from my agency and do you want to audition for Hadestown? I was like, well, yes. <laughs> and so I flew out on my day off and then I ended up booking it. But it was just kind of interesting to see how like the act of saying yes this, I think this is maybe even for me, like, it was like, go where you're wanted is something mm-hmm. that, or where I could like offer something. And for whatever reason, like in the theater world, like people wanted to play with me, <laughs> you know, like they wanted something I was, that I had to offer. And so, I don't know. I feel like it was kind of interesting that it led me to this beautiful chapter that I'm in now. Just like, yeah. instead of no. trying to force things sometimes, which I think when we get like I could be a huge overthinker. And I think sometimes like if you like try and muscle an idea instead of just kind of going by like what's naturally happening, mm-hmm. it could maybe like hold you back, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, like, cause I'm a big preacher of saying no. <laughs> I love that too, though. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but, but no, here is when I think that the idea of being a yes and saying yes to everything is good is exactly like what you were saying. That sometimes when we're in a place of I don't know or like wanting to restart thing, wanting to get uncomfortable, wanting to like do things, but we don't know, you know, what it is in a different level to start saying yes to everything, because that will also then teach you what you like and what you don't like. Or like you said, you said yes to that audition you didn't necessarily want to go to. But then that led you to another audition that, again, you didn't want to go to. But then it led to an opportunity, you know, like that was something that you wanted to do, but maybe you didn't know it if you hadn't have showed up for those other things? I don't think I would have because it was like a series of other things. Like I had, I was asked to do a bunch of concerts last year that were kind of in that same vein. And it was just like, I was opening myself up to that as a possibility again. Cause I was like yeah. kind of shut off from theater. I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> just cause like in my life, I've gone through a lot of like, I love theater and then I don't want anything to do with theater just for no reason other than like, I didn't want to. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, it's kind of, kind of interesting. Yeah. But I think also like going where you're wanted and where you're needed is like a, a big thing. Cause I think sometimes like I was like trying to make a certain situation happen or work with this p- particular person or just something I thought would be cool. And maybe it wasn't reciprocated <laughs> so like for whatever reason, you know, and yeah. like being able to like, let that go and just be like, okay, well, it's not like there's anything wrong with me. Just like, I'm not supposed to work with that person, you know, right now, right now. Exactly. But also, it's like more sometimes we're like get so excited about something we want to do, a project, working with a person that it's like we get attached to the details and the timing. And so then yes. it's like that. But it's like, oh, but who knows? Now maybe you do this and you go on this adventure and then you don't even know that like a month from now, that same person might be reaching out to you like, hey. Absolutely. You know what? <laughs> like, yeah. I just have. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> that it's like, but when we're attached to how things happen and when, then it's not like it's too rigid and you yeah, you can't it doesn't happen and it's so funny because like it just it's also like there's nothing wrong with us it's just like letting go of like you said like the how and just like i remember right after fresh beat band actually i had this idea i was like I'm, i want to do this kind of project and um i'm just turning this fan off hold on a second Okay. Is that too loud or can you hear it it was loud when it came a lot around <laughs> i didn't hear it until just now though Okay, I just turned it off. 
I'll be sweating. No, um, I, I remember when I left Fresh Beat, I, I was like taking a few meetings and um, I was going to this phase where I would, I would, you know, be pitching my vision or pitching my idea and they would look me up and be like, well, you had all the success in the kids market. Why don't you just do that? I was like, because that's not what I want to do. So I went through this very brief phase where I tried going by an artist name in hopes of like cutting ties with my old self. Oh. But after a while, I realized like that wasn't really necessary. And I was just making twice the amount of work for myself, really. Um, right. And looking back, like, you know, sure, I took a few meetings that didn't end anywhere. But just because, you know, those specific people didn't understand who I was or what I was trying to do at that moment doesn't mean that there was anything wrong with me that I had to change. It just meant yeah. I wasn't supposed to be working with those specific people, like you said, at that moment, you know, and like not thinking that, I, like, I feel like that act of thinking you have to change yourself to adjust to a situation is like, I'm kind of over that idea now, you know, but I had yeah. to kind of go through it. I know it sounds obvious probably, but I had to learn it. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't. I think that it's like, it is obvious, but I think that it happens so much with out people realizing they're even doing it yeah yeah um so how'd you get to new york <laughs> <laughs> i walked no. no i mean the first time i'm like you got back on tour from or you decided you didn't want to tour back up anymore and i went to la actually and i so, okay so you went from got back from touring that was amazing but you what you need then you decided to move to la yeah, so I, was, I was still living in Miami for part of the tour. And then I was mm -hmm. like, you know what? There's nothing really going on in Miami. I'm not going to grow here. And so I took my instruments and six suitcases and I put myself on an Amtrak. I got wow. myself and all my stuff over for like, I don't know, like under 300 bucks or something like that. I love that you took the train. Oh my God, it was so dramatic, girl. <laughs> the first day, it was a 3D train ride. And it was like, you know, I was sitting in the chair. I didn't get like a bed where you could lay out and sleep. So I was pretty much sitting for three days. And there was this guy sitting next to me that was like kind of creepy. And it's like tight, you know, so it was just like he kept offering me M&Ms like every single day. It was the weirdest thing. <laughs> but then finally on the third day, I was so tired. I was like, you know what? Let's have a conference. So we just ended up talking and he was a really lovely human. And then he gave me this rosary when I left. And he's like, this is from my hometown. It was from like Bethlehem. And he's like, uh, may God bless you on your journey and safe travels. And I was like, so moved. He's like, welcome to LA. And then I walked, it was out of a movie. And then I walked out. Wow. I was like, okay, now what? <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I took a train and um, I was living out here. And um, I remember I met like a friend on the tour that lived in LA as well. So he was a really good producer, like music producer. So he was teaching me like, you know, how to, do stuff and how to produce. And so then I started um, orchestrating and like doing like these kind of like, just like studying like film scoring and, and people's records and just trying to like produce. Um, but not even like, again, with the goal in sight of like, this is what I'm going to do as a job. It was just like, I was just almost innocently exploring and creating. Um, and then I had an agent and, or I got an agent and I did, you know, the random commercial here and there. Or Were like, you getting an agent you know, for acting or singing? Or was it like, okay. Yeah. But then but was that, oh, because you had been acting all throughout high school and everything. Actually, no, that was also funny how that happened. I went, um, 
Oh yeah. I mean, I was acting and like I in theater. Yeah. 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 Okay. But again, like it was, it was one of those things where like, I wasn't in the union when I first, you know, of course you're not really in it. Um, but when I moved to California, I, um, this, that guy, the music producer guy was like, this guy wants uh, a singer. Can you, can you, for some commercial or for whatever it was. So I go and he's like, can you improvise some like bossa nova? Yeah, man. <laughs> so I started making up this bossa tune and like fake Portuguese and like they used it for a JCPenney national commercial. Wow. That ran for like eight weeks. It was so awesome. I'm like, can I do this again? This is amazing. Um, yeah. So it was like really just kind of weird how like things like that just kind of appeared in my path. And, um, I was getting these headshots, uh, you know, reproduced or whatever printed out. And the guy that was working there was an actor and he's no longer an actor. He like gave up and, you know, he's like, I'm going back to Ohio or whatever. And he, um, but he's like, you should meet my manager. She's great. And I that's was like, nice. I don't need a manager. I'm like, that's for like Madonna and JLo. And I just didn't get it. Like, cause I didn't know. And so I met with this woman and she was so cool. And like, she's also like, we're not working together anymore, but she's still like family to me. Like she's amazing. And so we kind of started working together and she got me a meeting with an agent and then like kind of little by little just started auditioning. But, um, but there was a lot of things I feel like I got going in the back door. Like I remember I wanted, I really wanted to audition for Jekyll and Hyde, which is like a theater show. And I wasn't in the actor's equity for theater. And they wouldn't let me audition unless you're in it. So I figured out how to like join because of that random JCPenney commercial I had done. I was like, well, if I'm in it for in this union for a year, I could get it. So it was just like a lot of, you know, I don't know. <laughs> Things that just happened coincidentally, I guess. Well, or not. putting yourself <laughs> out there and just even like having conversations with strangers yeah. or whatever, being open yeah. to the being open to the Kinkos or whatever guy <laughs> pretty much giving you his manager's <laughs> info. You could have never called. And they're like, this is whatever. true. You could have never put your stuff on a train. You could have been still on tour with Engelbert Humperdinck. <laughs> That's not even his real name. It's so awesome. Uh, I know. I've done shows when I was a monitor engineer. I would he would come through some of the places I worked. Man, you're so cool. No, you yeah. are so cool. Like audio, you're awesome, man. No, it's true though. You're like really inspiring. Like you just like you just like make things happen, girl. You know. Well, thank you, but as as you've just told me, so do you. <laughs> <laughs> so I see you, but thank you for seeing me. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> okay, I put the fan on. Is it loud again, or can you use it good? It's good. Are you okay. dying up for there? No, it's not like the worst. <laughs> This is interesting. <laughs> okay, so then what happens? So you're in LA doing a bunch of different things. What made you move to New York? Um, I think I was doing. Oh, because okay. you said when you auditioned for Fresh Beat Band, you were I was in New yeah. York singing um, the Mafia among other things. <laughs> there was this guy that I wanted to work with out in New York, and I was like, you know what? What am I really doing in LA? Maybe it's time for a change. And I was doing the show called Remo Divas which was, um, was that theater? It was like, it was, I guess it's considered theater. Yeah. But it, it was more like a concert because oh. it wasn't, it, it was a concert and it was, um, I, it, I was like the Oreo sandwich. <laughs> it was like these, um, beautiful, like usually it's African-American singers. And then, but I got to be like, 
I guess it's open Latino or something because it was the three of us and we would go through all the different genres of music. We started classical and then we'd go to like, you know, jazz and pop and gospel and R&B, like all the different 8,000 music I think we did. Um, and so that was really cool. And because I was with that, I thought, you know what? This is a good time to change. And so I just... And the my- person you wanted to work in, with in New York, was that musically or what producer? Who, what was he, he doing? Was, well, he was the producer. And then we ended up writing a lot of stuff together and working. But um, that ended up being maybe not the most positive like, experience, as it turns out. But, um, but I think most of like, why I moved was just like to move, you know, like to start again. Like I just, not because anything bad happened in LA. It was like not a bad time, but I was kind of just, just doing a bunch of shows up and down the coast. And I just how long like, were you in? Had you been in LA? Um, not too long, maybe like a few, a couple of years or something like that. Um, but I think also part of like the moving around is like not having had someone giving me like advice in a way, or like like that guidance counselor we're talking about. <laughs> because I mean, I feel like that helps a lot. Like if you're in a situation, you're like, hey, what about? Have you thought about this? <laughs> and then I'm like, yeah, that'd be great. Let's do that. But um, I just kind of was like following my intuition. I'm like, I think I should go here. And so I went there and like, I think I should say no to this. And sometimes I, I didn't listen to my intuition. And then I was like, oh, yeah, you, you should have. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that. Oh, yeah. Okay. There was a reason that I was feeling that. Okay. And I, honestly, like, I feel like the more that happens to me where I was like, man, I knew it, but I didn't do it. And like, every time I like vow a little bit more, just like, I'm always going to listen. I'm always going to listen. And then sometimes you, you slip and you, you ignore it or you choose something else. But I feel like I'm really learning to just trust that it's right. You know, that. Yeah. Do you feel like, uh, since you work in the entertainment industry, like when you're saying that you went against your intuition, was any of that based on like, Oh, because you know, that person had a name or because other people would be excited to do this. Like, do you feel like it was based on like what made you go against your intuition? What was because like other people's expectations or what other people think about a person or idea and our thing that made you do that? Like, oh, other everybody else would love this opportunity. So I got to do it, even though it doesn't feel right. Or like, in, like things like that. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you feel like made, like nudged you to go against your intuition? It's funny though, because when I said it, I was actually... <laughs> okay. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. No, no, no. I was actually... It's personal funny because um, it was almost more personal life stuff where I was like, ah, you shouldn't do this or you shouldn't be here. Work-wise, I feel though that what I did ex- without, I mean, I'm only re- realizing this stuff now as I get older is that I feel like somewhere along the way, I like stopped trusting that I knew the answer. And so I remember like thinking, oh, someone else knows, or I can learn from this person. And, it, and it's cool because I, I learned a lot along the way about a lot of different things within the field. But, um, but now I just feel like I'm... I'm trying to like, that's what I mean by like deprogram myself and just kind of like get back to what's the thing that makes you come alive in your heart of hearts. Like, you know, like what's that? And then like, let that be the guide instead of thinking someone else is going to know better and that kind of thing, you know? Yeah, totally. No, I was just trying to like feel like, cause in my, uh, I feel like when I feel like I've always been very close to my intuition and connected to it from a much earlier age than many people 
Um, but it still can be challenging to listen to it. And that, yeah, like usually when I find myself like playing around with, wait, no, I don't know. Is this the right? Mm. No, I don't know. If is this my intuition or is this a fear or is this this or all of that stuff? It's because like it's usually like because I'm taking other somebody else's feedback or experience mm, mm-hmm. or like maybe comparing myself or even like people that I was like, I don't know if their intentions are right or there's something off about that person that I would feel that way, but then be like, but all of these people who I love, love right. that person. So they must be great. So right. my instincts must be wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but usually my instincts ended up being right. <laughs> yeah, no, no, um, that's real. But that's what I was saying. I would usually go against myself because of other people's how other people like oh yeah like everybody else loves that person and the people I love and who are like seem so you know like smart and intelligent and uh like evolved if they love that person or that thing or whatever then it must be good and so I, I must be wrong in this case and so like to have to trust myself that way or if it's an instinct, whether like career wise or something like that, then too, then it's like sort of putting myself in the box of someone else like, well, so and so did it this way. So what are you talking about? And like nudging back to like, but that doesn't feel right or that doesn't have to be right. my way. So that's why I think like, where do you like I was talking, thinking it was more with your career. Oh, I can do but yeah, that. Like, where Absolutely. do you feel like? Yeah. Like that you question where you ended up going against your intuition. Like I feel like what you just said, though, actually is exactly feelings I've had like professionally, right? Like, let's say it was like a certain person that I wanted to work with because of X, Y, and Z criteria, right? So, but maybe I got the feeling that, I don't know, there's just something that doesn't make me want to be in that person's space. I don't feel comfortable. There's some, there's something off and I don't know what it is, but, you know, and then so I would rationalize it, but look at all these things they've done. And so this makes it still a good opportunity. And it's like, now I'm at the point where I'm like, if it doesn't feel good in your heart, then the answer is no. Like, yeah. I don't care how good, you know, how many credits or whatever the case is. It's like, I don't, I want to make things that like, everything's like, you know, energy, not to be all woo, but like, I want to go where there's good energy and create beautiful things with people that I like respect and admire and like love. You know what I mean? Where there's, yeah, uh, where that intuition red you know, flags, alarm system is not going off, you know, like ever. Yeah. And then what so, about, yeah. so with the personal life stuff where you're saying that you weren't trusting your intuition? Yeah, like, you know, and again, it's that same thing of like, almost being, not even like, like almost too quick to ignore the feeling. Like, no, 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 it's fine. It's, it's just this, it's, you're probably wrong, Yvette. Or it's just probably your imagination or your, your, maybe you were fearful because of something that happened in the past or, you know, whatever. And it's like, no, I was right every single moment that I felt that way. So it's like, um, yeah, it's just like just not ignoring that feeling and like letting it really be almost the most important thing. Yeah. You know? Uh, Yeah, I do. I feel like it's like we get so pulled away from those feelings that like, yeah, like we're forced, like we're not, we're forced to like, yeah, like you're saying like re, what were you saying? Like reprogramming. Deprogram. Yeah. yeah. But that, yeah, it's like deprograms that we don't even realize that it's like because of like society and what the shoulds and this and that, that we like stop till we stop being able to tune in and like listen to ourselves. Cause it's just, we have all this other information that we're using to calculate what is, what we're supposed to be doing. The shoulds is a big one. Too. I mean, I feel like you know, and also just like coming back to myself, like I said, like, I, I feel like I did 
definitely explore a lot of different like areas within the arts, like hoping to find something that maybe somebody knew better than me or whatever it was. But now it's like, I don't know. I think it's, it's really good to like allow yourself to dream, like just to dream and like notice when and where parts of your heart seem to come alive. And like, if the pull is strong enough, then like that'll make you take action and that'll set your path and that'll be your trajectory. And then yeah. it'll make your dream come alive, you know, but it's coming from that place versus maybe, you know, that reaching of like, maybe someone else knows better than me. It's like, we know, we know a lot, you know? Yeah. Like following our own curiosity is so huge. Exactly. Cause not, yeah. It's me, Trisha, bringing you a brief pause because I wanted to make sure that you know and have gone to your app store, typed in Own Your Awesome, and bought my daily inspiration app. Hundreds of powerful thoughts and affirmations in this app. You can come to it at any time you want to boost you want to think about some things, you want a different perspective, you can set a timer in the app so you get a reminder whatever time of day you choose. Maybe that's 7 a.m., maybe it's 2 p.m., maybe it's 8 p.m. You can just come to the app anytime, slide through the cards, hit the show me card button. It's kind of like a magic eight ball. I'm going to do it right now. Oh, I got do it because it feels good, not because of what you expect to get from it. Ooh. Do it because it feels good, not because of what you expect to get from it. And if you're like, oh, I don't really, no, that doesn't really feel like it fits me. Show me a card again. I always choose to listen to my heart over my ego. Let me do one more for you. What is, is. What will be, will be. I am here now. So as you can see, there's lots of different thoughts and affirmations for all sorts of different things. A lot of people tell me that it's magic and they get the exact one they need. And I know some people and they're like, no, I got to keep on swiping around because I want to find the one that I want to have, <laughs> even though you might need that first message. You can hit the heart button, save it for labor, later, have a list of your favorites. There's a journal section. You could write about it, write your intentions, write what you're annoyed about, whatever. Have a little private journal. And you can easily hit the share button, share it with friends, send it in a message, share it on Instagram, share it on Facebook, what have you. It's only $3.99, no ads, no other payments, cards are added all the time. It feels good to read these cards and have a space to come to. I want a little reset. I want a little juice. I want to look at things differently. So open your app, store. Google Play or the Apple App Store, type in Own Your Awesome. Bam! Back to the episode. All right, I'm going to cut to uh, you get the Fresh Beat band. What did that, how was that whole experience though? Because like, were you, did you have any sort of thing come up like being on a kid's show? Were you stoked that you were going to be on a TV show? Did you, like, what feelings did you have about starting that? Um. It's just sometimes I feel like I'm just um, like, I don't understand what, I'm, what something is until it's done. I'm like, oh, that's what that was, you know? But like with Fresh Man, I don't even think they knew what it was until it happened. Like when we were making it. Right. 
evolved into what it ended up becoming. But um, I just, I mean, I wasn't even aware of like the kids market really at the time. I was just, I think I looked at a Hannah Montana video to study for my audition or something like that, honestly. But, uh, and I remember looking at, she was like performing some big concert. So it wasn't even on like a TV show. And I remember looking at it and be like, oh, I could do that. That's cool. And then we ended up, I remember having so many moments when we were actually performing like on the tour. And it was like, you know, however many thousands of people and thinking, oh, this is just like that moment that I <laughs> thought about. And like, it's just so, like the imagination is so powerful. Um, but it was really amazing. I mean, we, I learned so much about TV work and about like working on a multicam and, you know, just the hours that go into it and all the different parts and because it was music and dancing and, you know, all the different things. It was a really good, like, I feel like I went to school. <laughs> was it like a 30 minute episodes that came out every week or was it yeah. every day? Or I think it was every week. Um, okay. And they were self-contained little episodes. So it wasn't like you have to watch the last week's episode. Yeah. You know, it wasn't that. Um, yeah. So it was these like this little half hour preschool musical comedy. And the creator, Scott Kraft and Nadine Vanderbilt, there's this husband and wife uh, couple, which I'm sure you met when you were there. Uh, they might have been there. Um, but they, um, they're amazing. And they made the show so that it wouldn't be talking down to kids because they have these two little girls, which are now like these grown, beautiful girls. <laughs> and they wanted to make something that they could watch without going crazy themselves. Yeah. You know? And so like the music was kind of cool. And like the episodes, you know, it's still a kid show, but it was like, it wasn't. Uh, yeah. So that's, I was like, I'm exactly. guessing that there might be like some people or actors might be like, Oh, a kid's show, like act like that might be like below them or for something. sure. For sure. But that, but you guys when you were all on it, were you generally like just happy to be doing the work? And I'm always well, I guess happy. I can't, you can't speak for other people, but yeah, I, can't, <laughs> I can't speak for them, but I will say this about my journey every time. Cause on the show, like I was like the lead singer, guitarist, violinist character. Right. And Every time violin is in a show that I do, it ends up being like, like even in Hadestown on Broadway right now, like I get to play violin in the show as well, which is so weird. Yeah. And every so time amazing. violin comes in the show, I see it like, I don't know, like a sacred clue, like you're supposed to be. Yeah. So for me, Fresh Me Band, the fact that like that resonated with them when I played for them, I was like, okay, this is fine. You know, like. Because you were not trying, you were like, didn't go in there with the violin. You were like. Well, no, I did. I, I, but I, I mean, but I, you. Right. But you first did piano and guitar, right? And then they said they that they had requested a piano, that. I think, like in the audition room. And then I brought my guitar and violin. And I was like, it was just a little mini concert. Um, but yeah, there's just something about like every time I get to play in the show, I'm like, it's OK. It's, you're supposed to be here. Um, but life is funny because like right before that, I almost did a gig. <laughs> I hope he doesn't listen because I felt bad about it. Um, Frank Zappa's son, uh, Dweezil Zappa. They uh, flew me out when I was still in New York to audition for their brand. And then they asked me to join, but I said no. <laughs> and I think he was kind of mad because like, we flew you out here. I was like, it's still an audition. But I didn't want it with my heart. I didn't want to do it, you know. And then so I you got, said no to that before. That wasn't like choosing that over Fresh Beat. It was right before Fresh Beat. Like but, was, so you didn't know Fresh Beat was I didn't coming. know. I just knew wow. it was like that gig. I don't know why. I was just like, no. But they're yeah. great and everybody's so talented. I just like, I just didn't. And I know yeah. I probably would have been a different 
artist now because that was a big chunk of my time, you know? Yeah. It, it was, it was really cool though. And, and when we got to do the tour, it was actually really beautiful. Like seeing all these kids, you know, and like, yeah, I came to Boy, a show. I know you did. It was so cool. And like, they were. The kids were losing their mind. Well, besides the show, yeah, we did in New York at Radio City Music Hall with we Jason did and them. Hall. Oh, Carnegie Hall. I couldn't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which that was so cool. Hall. But then, yeah, when you guys were on tour, I saw in Orange County, and that was That's like, right. yeah, like the kids losing their minds. And I feel like they were like toddlers, like rushing the stage. <laughs> what was like wait what was your character's name kiki kiki yeah like people like little girls like crying and clinging to kiki like it i think so... i feel like either in new york i don't remember which show it was but like a, like toddler needing to be like removed from like holding on to you oh i'm sure <laughs> oh my gosh but it was you know it was really beautiful the two is like we would do these meet and greets after the show and it was a really like brutal schedule but we would meet like whatever hundreds of kids after oh my and, god but there was a lot of and you don't realize this when you're doing the TV show because you're just filming a TV show, you know? And not to an audience, probably. It's not to an audience, yeah. yeah. And so when we would perform, like, oh, these people, like, really like show, right? Like, you don't even get it until you see them freaking out and with posters and whatever. And But after, in those meeting weeks, we would get these kids and the parents crying. Like, my, my child is autistic or this, he couldn't talk or he didn't, he was going through chemo. Like, these, like, stories that will break your heart. And then because of you, because of the show, now my kid, you know, can talk or can make friends or can whatever it is. And you're just like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I felt like it felt, even though it was hard. And at one point we're like, okay, we want to move on from this gig. You know, you get tired because it's a lot, yeah. but then it feels important too. Like it felt like it was purposeful and that yeah. felt really beautiful to be a part of, you know? It's crazy. Sometimes during Hades Town, like I've met a lot of people that are like, we used to watch you on Fresh Feet and now they're all grown. <laughs> I'm so old. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. Oh. But it was cool. It was a, definitely a good chapter, you know? So then, yeah, when this show ended, like you said, you at one point took on a different like artist name. Like, so, like, did you feel like you felt good about what you did? But then it was sort of like, what's like, were you living in a, like, what's next space? Yeah, that was well, kind was, of like. I knew I wanted to actually make music stuff. Like, I wanted to okay. make, make another album. I had put an album out before, and then I took it down, which was dumb. But I just, I don't know. I just was. I just why was did you take it down? It. I don't know why. I, and I listen to it now, and I've actually gotten some of those songs placed in like films and like tv shows wow. so i shouldn't be embarrassed by it but i was when i took it down and then huh. later i was like that was dumb i should probably put it back up <laughs> you know but I, again people are weird sometimes and i had a weird moment but you had a weird moment yourself or from someone me, reacting it was to just it. me i was like oh i don't think i want to put this out i just decided i didn't want to have it out there for some reason i felt embarrassed by it and i don't I'm, i still don't remember exactly why but um Maybe it was like, I don't actually know. I can't even do come up with a good answer. feel like, I mean, like, I'm just making up, like, did you feel like, were you sort of being like, here I am, an artist, which you are, and the music, and then were you, like, starting to question yourself? Like, who am I to put these music out? Or, like, did you feel like you were going to be judged? Oh, I, mean, I think it was probably that, because I was judging, my, I was judging it. I was like, well, no, I could do better, because the album itself was really awesome musicians like and the songs were cool and i i had made a goal when i was on that fresh beat tour i was like i'm just gonna make an album and like 
can I curse on your podcast? <laughs> like fuck perfection, you know, because I yeah. was such a perfectionist in a lot of, even if it didn't, even if it didn't show, I like felt that way sometimes. And I was like, this is dumb. I'm just going to make something and I'm going to put it out and sell it on the road. So I made this album called Not Gonna Wait, the live sessions. And I recorded 10 songs in two days. And then we made like arrangements and like in a week, it was like in a thing, in a little packaging. That's amazing. <laughs> and then went on tour and sold a bunch of them when I was on the tour. So it was more like... So that's not the album you took down. That's the one I took down though. So I had also put it on iTunes and I was, it was more like, I wanted a, to just see if I could do it. And I just but the perfectionist side of you maybe caught up with yourself and were like <laughs> two years after, like it was like way after or something like that. Oh. I was like, I want to make this kind of music. And I just, I don't know. It didn't even matter that it was on there. That's why I, looking back, I was like, that was a dumb choice. <laughs> I don't know why I'm sharing it now. But. So it was out for two years and then you like tried to erase it from your life. Yeah, it was that same moment that I was like, maybe I need a different name. It was that same moment of doubting oh. yourself. And so I thought, well, maybe I just need to start again. And it was obviously that action didn't need to happen, but it was in that same phase of trying to figure out how to create myself again or reinvent myself. I hate that term, but it's basically that though, you know? Um, so yeah. <laughs> and then so I knew I wanted to do more music and that's where that whole thing came to be um what was the question just kidding <laughs> i don't know <laughs> I feel like so did you make but did you make more music well that was we were talking about after fresh beat band what you felt like you wanted to do oh yeah so that album that you made was while you were still in the thick of fresh beat band yeah after fresh beat band you were like i'm starting over in some way i ended up um getting signed to this um publishing company under bmg and so i was like writing for different artists and um acting still like doing stuff like that and um and then i was yeah i like as i was like making things and i put out some music but it wasn't anything i think that was where it got kind of weird where i was like not finding that i could move forward in the way i wanted to at the speed i want i wanted to like keep growing and like um i wasn't exactly sure how to you know so Is that when of, the yeses started to come up or like? Well, it was when, after that. It was after. It's almost like I was in my own way somehow. Yeah. And then I started feeling like I had to defend this, you know, vision of what I was trying to do. And then it was like, was that even what you wanted to do? It was just, it kind of just got. Yeah. And I just. No, I can get that. Like, it's sort of like maybe you created some big expectation for yourself of like, okay, now I'm going to be this, even if you didn't actually have a clear idea of what that was, but you're just like, this is my next act or something. And so this is how it will be. But you didn't actually know, but you're like trying to hold yourself to some like. Or I had an idea of what it could be, but then I didn't have the support around it to make that happen. You can't always do everything by yourself. Yeah. You know? So I think it was a combination of that. Like, I did know. I did have a pretty clear idea of what I wanted to be, but I guess I wasn't great at articulating that and finding, or, oh, right, okay. and finding the right people that like got it. So I started making it on my own and then I started producing again and doing music for like TV and, you know, just like different things. But um, yeah, it's just like, it just felt like one of those periods where you're just kind of floating a little bit and you're still yeah. working and you're still doing things, but it was just more, not really sure like what. Yeah. Just sort of like, like, like lacking focus a little, a little bit. bit. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, and I think it's just like trying on different hats. Like, like I was saying earlier, like, you know, it's just like the desire to create things is like really strong in me. But sometimes what I'm working on now is just like picking one thing and like just making that. But that's really hard for me to do. Because like during that time too, I was like starting to like develop some TV show ideas with people and writing. You know, so you start like expanding. Yeah, you get so many ideas and then everything's all over the place instead of just like, doing the just thing do. and finishing exactly. the thing. And yeah. so now no. like, I'm like, I don't need to do everything. I don't need to report to anybody. I'm doing this gig now quietly and on Broadway and I'm like still making things. I'm like, I'm putting out a song at the end of the month just to like create my own like action of like, just keep making things, you know, and like yeah. do the things that you want to make. And like, um, yeah. So what's the journey been like of, moving to New York for this show. It was a new show and now it's like major, right? Like how many Tonys did it win? It won eight Tonys. Eight, that's what I thought. Yeah. So yeah, what what has that journey been like? Well, it's been really... Personally. <laughs> Personally? Okay. Yeah. I'm like, not like, don't give me like the press release of Town, but... <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, the show though, it has been around for a while. And so, oh, like, it had. So you were. It was already happening. They did a right before the Broadway production. They did a version um, in London. Oh, then, okay. But this was the first Broadway. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They did an off-Broadway version. I think like like two years ago or something. And I did a workshop actually back in 2015, where oh. it was another situation where they're like, you know, if you can play an instrument, go ahead and bring it. And I was in New York at the moment, but I wasn't living here. And I happened to have my violin and I was on my way to the airport. I was like, I can go. So I went oh to this God. audition and I, whatever. And I, and I did the workshop of it. Um, and then in 2017, two years later, I did another workshop. And then the show, you know, obviously went off Broadway and to Canada, London. And then, and then in December, when I was in my yes phase, <laughs> They're like, can you come out? And I said, yes. And then I moved out the day before rehearsal started. So I've been here since February. I waited to the last minute to get out of here. <laughs> and it's, it's really interesting though, because I've always been, you know, a gypsy a little bit. Like I've been pretty good at the nomadic life, <laughs> so to speak. But this particular part of my chapter, this chapter in the journey has been like a little hard for me, like where I've been homesick. Like I've been away from my tribe and my family and my friends and even though I know, you know, people out here, I just, I feel like it, that's been a little like challenging for me actually, which is like interesting to see how I like how to navigate that and like emotions and like, you know, and yeah. also like, it's been like a huge time of like personal growth for me. It's, it feels like I'm on vacation and I get to do this beautiful story and like, which feels important, you know, and like share it with the world and like, or with New York. <laughs> and then just like... The world's coming to New York. But it's coming. <laughs> and, you know, I'm just really, I don't know, just like learning about myself, like without going to the boring details, like I've been, I've been really like enjoying this time, you know, Good. like in the challenging parts of it and the beautiful parts, like it's, you know, it's, just, it feels like boot camp or something. Personally. Yeah. <laughs> and do you feel like part of that is, has, is happening because of like, the putting yourself in the like newer situation of being in the Broadway show and even the like routine of that six days a week and everything 
Like, do you feel like that sort of like besides the fact that you're away from your friend, then it's all friends and family that it's just like, but you're also like going through intense work time or has like been going to Broadway after that been, was it easy for you? Has it been a stretch? Like what's coming up from like doing, cause I know you had done all sorts of performing and you've done yeah. things, but like to now go on Broadway, like did things come up for you or was that, did that feel like a smooth transition? Professionally, I felt it was pretty smooth. Yeah. Like I just, well, I, I mean, like mentally, emotionally. Yeah. I feel like, um, again, the violin was in it. I'm like, this is, you're supposed to be here. Yeah. And I was so grateful because of some things that actually happened last year. I was so grateful for the timing of it and for the gift of being able to like be in New York, which for me has always been like a very <laughs> magical, like city for me. Yeah. It, just, it just is. And I really feed off of the energy here in a good way. And, um, um, I also think what's interesting is I haven't, like, I'm single right now and I haven't, I feel like in the past I've been like a serial monogamist, you know? And so oh. I've been, you know, just like in these long relationships or, you know, engaged or whatever it was, but I haven't, and this is like a good time for me to like be by myself and like really know myself without too much outside influence. And that's, I think the part that where I'm really learning yeah. and which obviously because in you know the creative feel like your personal life and your professional life can sometimes it's like what you love you know so it's yeah to to be doing it all, all the time and it's like just important to be like in the right mindset and like to be really clear of distraction and be sure that you're doing things for the right reasons and like knowing your why and all that kind yeah. of yeah so I think New York is the perfect place for like that time too because what I found when I lived in New York, it was only like a brief year, but it was like the best year ever. And I loved it because... Wait, when were you here? 2010, I want to say. Okay, okay. But it's like the city makes you face yourself and everything because yes. like you, you know, sure you can take cabs or Ubers and stuff like that most of the time, but there's still so much walking or public transportation and stuff like that. And that you could be in like the ritziest part of town, but there's still like there's just you just encounter so much different stuff because you're just like in it and with the people and so because you're encountering so much different stuff and people then you're encountering yourself and your thoughts and your judgments and your fears and all that are just like constantly like coming up in your face and I loved it yeah because like even though it wasn't like necessarily easy and you're like oh this oh fuck I think this oh like I'm annoyed at this person walking slow because of what like whatever it was that was <laughs> pissing me off or whatever then it just like made me be so much more in tune with myself in LA or in most places in the world, you're in a bubble of your car. You get in your car, you can then drive to this place, you drive, like you're in so much more control when you're living in a place where you're driving in your car all the time. Yeah. That you're, so you're in New York, there's so many more chances to be uncomfortable. <laughs> that is such a good way to say it. <laughs> Which yeah. means that you're constantly facing yourself and your own thoughts. So it really is like, okay like it can be a lot but I mean, it's humanity like, yeah. is forced upon you quite literally sometimes like on the subway like you know you're just there's people yeah everywhere. and but I mean yeah so it's exactly that it, it makes you really I think for me too it makes me like focus on my inner life more because yeah. all the madness like you can't take on everybody's energy and yeah I, when I got here initially I kind of did inadvertently and I was like why do I feel drained or why do I yeah. feel and now it's like you can go into the world and I, I'm learning like to respond more instead of just like reacting to things. Yeah. And like, because it's there and like uh, 
sometimes people, I don't know why, but I get a lot of people coming up to me, sometimes on the train or wherever, telling me their story. It's the weirdest thing. And I'm, and I, I get, you know, I like to listen to people and I want to like help and I want to be present, but sometimes I'm just like, I can do that now and not let it like affect me. Yeah. I can like, let it just pass through me, like, go ahead, share whatever it is or, you know? And, and so just to, it's helping me like be focused and like, yeah, have like a force field around me, but in a good way. <laughs> no, I get that. Do you, um, it's funny how you even just said that one of the things that I teach about in my course and I'm always talking about is the idea of holding space and it's like a tattoo I have on myself as well as hold space. And that one of the ways I describe it, people are always like so like confused by that topic. And I feel like it's the biggest form of like non-judgment and compassion. And then I'm like always sort of imagine like imagine like you're just standing there with your arms out and like there's this bubble around you and it's like you can be there. You can see someone fully you know, like listen to their story and you don't have to try to change them and you don't have yeah. to take their energy on. You're just like literally like holding the space for them. So you're saying like these people are coming up to you. Let me tell you something that, yeah, you've got a force field. So it doesn't mean like you're like, no, stay away. You're just sort of like, okay, like I'm here. Like I'm totally just holding this space. You can like totally be yourself. I'm not going to judge you for it. I'm not taking your shit on. Yeah. Like I'm here for you. Oh, wow. But I'm also that. not like, yeah letting it all sink on to me, like yeah. holding space for people. Cause it's just, we don't know, even if somebody's not unloading their story, we don't know what's happening with that person. Even as much as we make up that we think we know about someone and their life and their stories, whether it's like, even if they were in the same experience as us, like we don't know. Yeah. And we are so automatically wanting to judge someone or try to dictate what we think their experience should be or try to shift things for them. And we can try to help, but we can't. Yeah. change things for someone and we can't know what they're feeling we can't know so like just holding space i love that holding space that's, that's like the buddha calls it like compassionate attachment i, I think it's the buddha oh. if i'm misquoting the buddha i'm sorry but compassionate attachment i love that holding space idea though it's so it's like a, a visual idea that i could yeah take I'm gonna but take i thought that. of it when you said the like force field thing yeah <laughs> like, i love that it's like you're holding space for these people <laughs> and you know it's interesting when you said about like not trying to fix somebody because um i feel like something that like that judgment that comes with like this is bad we need to fix this or this is good we need to like make sure it doesn't go away like um there's this i heard it the other day and I, i'm like scared of like try and recreate the story because I don't want to mess it up, but it's the Zen story of good luck versus bad luck. Do you know about oh, that? No. Um, it's basically like a Chinese farmer and his son and they have a horse. And one morning the horse like breaks a fence and like runs away into the woods and the neighbors find out and they're like, oh man, this is terrible. I'm so sorry. It's your only horse. You know, this is bad luck. And then the farmer was like, good luck, bad luck. Who knows? You know, I just made him like super mafia if you saw me. <laughs> and then, you know, a few days later, the farmer's horse comes back from the woods with these two other horses. And then the neighbors are like, oh my God, now you have three horses. This is great. This is good luck. And then the farmer's like, you know, good luck, bad luck. Who knows? And then, um, I mean, I guess the story goes on. I'll try and like speed it up. But basically like the next day, the farmer's son started training the horses so they could help, you know, till the land or whatever they do. And while he's trying to like mount one of the horses, he fell down and he broke his leg. And then of course, bad luck. Oh, this is terrible. You know, it goes on. And then a few days later, the king's men starts to, you know, they're like looking for people to enlist in the war, in the army. 
And then he can't be enlisted. He can't be enlisted because of his leg. And then, you know, again, you know, the neighbor. Wow. I spoke of good luck. And he's like, good luck, bad luck. And so every time, you know, the neighbors like thought it was bad, it was good or it was vice versa. And it's just like, you know, I feel like sometimes we have that tendency of like adding projecting on, you know, and our like emotional drama into the mix. And like, I feel like the things that happen sometimes are just things that happen. And like, we have to just like allow that to be like, be grateful for the good and the bad quote unquote. Cause like, we don't know which one it really is. You know? I love that. I love that whole story. That was a long paraphrase, (laughs) but I loved it. And that, like your way of putting it of like, yeah, we don't know if like if it's good or bad. Like I love, but it also made me even think I shared in my stories last week because I took my kids to California Adventure to like, celebrate Arrow's birthday. And I was like sharing like my tips for like staying stress free. And one of them was like to not let other people's opinions affect my day because yes. people will be like, if I'm like, oh, I'm going to go do this or I'm flying. I've I've flown to London on a red eye with a one year old and a two year old. You're a superwoman. That's so crazy (laughs) but do you want to know how many people are like oh my god i can't believe you're doing that blah 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 that they're going to project what my experience is going to be like maybe based on if they've had an experience maybe based on what they think that's going to be a terrible experience why are you even doing that exactly that it's like we as humans maybe stop projecting what we think stop projecting oh if that's gonna bad luck that's good luck onto other people because that might not like that Maybe they're saying that to make me feel better, but not really like by somebody making up like, oh, my God. Wow. I would never do that. Yeah. Why do I need that feedback? You don't. (laughs) Trisha, you don't need that. (laughs) And like, I'm able to see that. But it's like that kind of stuff, like those sorts of comments will like add up to be like, oh, my God. And so then you can get stressed out about the idea of this is bad luck or whatever. This is a this. So you live into that instead of giving it a clear slate of like, how's this day going to go? I project it's going to be, you know, it is what it is or whatever. But just like, yeah, like, why are we projecting whether something's going to be good luck? <laughs> I honestly, it's happened more since last year, or maybe I've just noticed it more since last year, but I've noticed it a lot in New York with that kind of thing. In like these microwaves where I'll like, you know, I'll miss my train, but then I get like this taxing and we have this beautiful conversation. I'm like, this is great. But then all of a sudden he like hits a bison, you know, like where it's like something, it just keeps switching. And like, Sometimes the rate of which it happens is like really fast. So you could like be amused by it. And it's like a good reminder of like, just don't judge it. Like whatever it is, it's like, it's, it's what it is, <laughs> you know? Yeah, totally. Cause we don't know I mean, the big picture ultimately. Like we just, and if we keep judging every step of the way, it's going to stop us from moving forward, you know? Anyway. Yep. No, I mean, like, that's I'm like, like very basic of like, it's all working out. Like sounds so like, Oh, blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, I really believe it's all working out. And yeah, that, you know, like two years ago, we were getting at this time, we were like getting kicked out of our rental apartment. I was like, had a four week old baby. We had, we're looking at homes and they weren't like, things were falling through. Like, it's all working out. It's all working out. Like we close, we're about to close on a house. They pulled out and decided not to sell it. I was just like, I know it's all working somehow in the house that we have right now. We wouldn't have got if all those other houses wouldn't have fell through Wow! like different things would happen. And it's a mate like it's like has everything that we wanted. And there's like a view in the backyard, whereas no other house had that or like, you know, it's just like it's that's a very tangible example. Like yeah. Every day I'm able to be like, 
Remember when we had no idea where we were going to live Isn't and like amazing? all this stuff had happened and it was all working out. Yeah. Like, we, this house closed on a Monday and we were like being kicked out on a Friday just because they decided they wanted us to switch the rental agency they used so they couldn't keep the same tenant. Wow. Okay. Because they you. did not want to pay as much money. Wow. <laughs> That's why we were getting kicked out. We weren't bad tenants. <laughs> I wasn't judging. Don't worry. I know. I was like, I wonder what she did. <laughs> but it was like, that was, I was like, are you kidding me? Like you're kicking us out, like whatever. But anyway, it was all working out. <laughs> and see, I'm even tentative now after the story to be like, that's great luck. <laughs> like, I don't even, wanna, <laughs> I don't want to judge it either way, but that's amazing. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> good. Okay. So I will get into asking, um, what is a go-to that you do to raise your joy levels? A, a go-to. Like mm. if you're feeling off energy or you maybe need to perform and you're just feeling like, ugh. Okay. I definitely, if I, it's possible, I like to go in the sun. I love, I don't know. There's just something about like feeling the sun on my body and like, just usually I'm like indoors all the time. So it's actually sweet, but it definitely changes your mood. I actually, when I was on tour with the Fresh Feet, um, actually, was it that tour? I think it was, we were, it was like a winter, you know, tour and then we'd go into the theater and you do the soundtrack, you do the show take a shower, you know, go back on the bus and then rinse and repeat. So you don't actually get to see a lot of the daytime, but the way they had our schedule. And there was this one week where I was just like, God, I feel really sad and I'm just down and I don't, I don't know why. And we had this lady come and she did like this LED massage. I don't know, some light massage oh. thing. And I was like, it's going to sound weird, but I feel better. And she's like, oh, the light. And she started explaining to me how it's related the next day, I mean, it was winter, it was freezing. I forgot what city we were in, but I went like into a parking lot and like, thank God, there was no one around. I just like took off as many layers of clothes. <laughs> and I was like in a bikini in a parking lot, just trying to, <laughs> but I felt so much better. So the That's sun hilarious. is one way. I also love um, listening to music that like makes me happy. Music is a big one for me. And yeah. I like fruit. I know that's really random, but <laughs> watermelon, stop it. It's the good mood. <laughs> things like that (laughs) what do you do I love it yeah um music is a good one for me or like have a little like dance part like put a song on and just like let myself like go and that's especially like fun when I like with kids like we're having a dance party (laughs) totally (laughs) um getting outside like taking a walk or just like anything like getting outside like sometimes even like with kids and it's like and it's just like laying down flat in the backyard and I'm just like stare at the sky while they're like running around me. It's just even like a minute of like staring straight in the sky is like a reset. Yeah. Totally. I love that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, like, yeah. And reading. I love like reading like a fiction book or memoir. Like if I'm like really like, and I like, you know, like that's like a my nurturing thing. I love that. Actually reading. I like to journal too. I realized when you said that. Like, yeah. I like to understand like, why are you feeling this way? Or like, why are you, you know, so I'll like write about it and then I'll just discover yeah. things or, and then, or just understand whatever the moment is. And like, somehow it like, now it's on paper. So I don't have to hold it in my heart anymore. Or yep. I, like, just, I don't know, go around the world a little more light, you know? No. And yeah, and that's if, if I'm feeling like real like stuck, like, oh, I can't feel this and journaling and calling a friend and like yeah. just being like, I just need a space to like 
be heard, you know, like sometimes it's just even talking to someone and not talking about what's wrong or that I'm feeling funky. But sometimes I am just like, oh, I'm feeling this. And I'm like, (laughs) you know, just like vomiting it out. Like, it's just like, okay, it's like I don't even need like a result or anything to come from, but just like getting it out of my body whether in writing or just like saying it, it's yeah. just like, okay, now I feel better. What was it? What was the problem? <laughs> oh, wait, you just broke up. What'd you say? I was just saying like, sometimes, like I said, it's not even trying to, um, oh, it's not. Oh, there you are. Just sometimes it's like naughty. It's like, I don't even need like someone to talk me through anything or to like resolve anything. It's just like saying it out loud. Like, yeah. oh, I'm feeling like I'm not enough or I didn't get enough done or whatever. I'm sad about this. Like just saying the actual thing then I'm like okay I'm better like I there's not even like something I need to fix it it's just like I said it out loud yeah to someone <laughs> I'm the same way and you know, I think there's something too about just not feeling alone and just being like I just want to be heard that's it and yep. then it's like done yeah <laughs> like a little kid and when they finish crying they're like okay I'm done now <laughs> and that's what sometimes I will even just use that terminology because I used to be so bad about opening up to people I never like did I'm like no I'm everyone's support but like I'm like no I don't need to tell anybody about what's wrong with me and but then I also realized like I didn't want anybody's feedback or I didn't want coaching I didn't feel like anybody want anybody to feel like they were trying to fix me or anything like that so the languaging I took on then was just like hey I just need a space to be heard I love it that's what so you got it. now I don't necessarily even say that because most of my friends are just like no like oh Trisha. <laughs> Like, you know, but like sometimes we're automatically meant to like be like, oh, let me try to fix you or help you or whatever, like as the recipient. And just like, I just need a space to be heard. Don't try to you don't have to try to coach me or fix me. Like, can you just let me vomit onto you? Thank you. I love you know, I'm reading this book now and I'm reading it so slowly, but it's really beautiful. And it kind of talks about that um, in the introduction. (laughs) That's where I'm at. (laughs) No shame. I'm like one paragraph at a time on the subway, but it's called The Path is Everywhere by Mark And Beautiful so far, but like in the intro, like it talks about like how, I know, I know. It's beautiful in the first, in the page, page X one. (laughs) (laughs) Like it literally talks about how sometimes, you know, we don't want people to feel pain. So when they tell us something that's going on, we want to fix it. And I think that for the person going through the moment, that there's that pressure of, well, I've got to fix myself or I'm not going to be loved. So there's like also this burden to like come up with a solution. And sometimes yeah. it's like he was, I think he said something like that. People just want to know that they're going to be loved unconditionally, even if they're in this moment. And then that's enough. Mm. Because we'll fix it on our own. Like we know yeah. we're going to get to the end and just holding space for people, like you say, to like yeah. let them be who they need to be in that moment is such a powerful tool of love, you know? It's really special. And that's what like sometimes it's like I'm saying it's like it takes us having a conversation of being like, hey, I'm like, yeah, I want to tell you about something, but like, don't worry, I don't need you to try to like fix it. And like I'm realizing like that person loves me. So they're their automatic incline is to try to fix me, tell me it's going to be okay, whatever. And that's, I don't want that. Like, I just want a space to be heard. So sometimes like you do have to start to create those relationships and then it becomes natural. We're like, I don't have to do that anymore with certain people or whatever. But like knowing like, hey, this person loves me. So they think that they're going to have to put their tone or try to fix it or make everything okay. And like, I just, I actually just, I just want to save space to be heard. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> Thank you for hearing me. Okay, so now um, I have Ooh. these are all phrases from my product line, the keychains, and so I would love to know 
which of these phrases you feel you most need to be reminded of. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Also, (laughs) let me see. I am enough. I am magic. Jeez, all of them. I think, gosh, okay, there's like five. Can I pick five? (laughs) Okay, I'm I'm just going to say five. (laughs) I like let that shit go a lot because I feel like sometimes I, Oh, geez, I know. You want one. Hold on. Let me think. <laughs> You're allowed to love five of them, but like, which one do you most want, like, need right now? Or like, need as a daily reminder? Um, want as a daily reminder? I think I'm enough. That's usually the one that, you know, we all have our little doubts about life or about ourselves. And I think that's one that for me, somehow I just made this full screen. I don't even know how I did that. That was so cool. Okay. Um, yeah, like I feel like sometimes I end up just like thinking I'm not good enough for something and then like rejecting myself before someone gets a chance to reject me, you know? Yeah. Such a, so I feel like, you know, as I, as I'm now like pursuing like certain projects that I'm working on and whatever, I feel like that's, it's just always a good one for me. <laughs> I'm enough. Like I don't need to. Because we're going to get to wherever we're going to get to. But we have all the tools that we need now. And we're going to meet the people we need to meet. And we're going to become who we need to become. But we already are those things. Like, good and bad. I don't know. I want to do the list again. Let me see if I can. (laughs) No. (laughs) No, I am enough, I think, would be fine. And let that shit go. Because let that shit go. Okay, I'm going to have top two. (laughs) I'm like, okay. I'm like, I'll bring it back up. My top two are I am enough. And let that shit go. Okay. Okay. Yeah. What? Why let that shit go? For so many reasons. Because I feel like, um, I feel like sometimes I can take things personal. Like if somebody's mean or is negative to me, I'm like, oh, why would they do that? I haven't said any, you know, I can make it about me. And it's like, not about me. Like they're on their journey and they're reacting because of whatever they're going through. And so like, Letting go of, you know, that letting go of the idea that things have to look a certain way. I should be here in my life. That should thing, which is also on your list, but I will not, I will roll it into one. (laughs) Um, And, and just like allowing things to like, you know, be where they are, you know, and and allow yourself to be where you are. And like, um, I guess letting go of certain dreams as well. Like some dreams, like you outgrow them sometimes, you know, energetically like, oh, I guess it's not there anymore. And so you're looking for it in your heart, but it's not in your heart. And it's okay to say, well, that's okay. We're not there anymore. Yeah. And And so that's what sometimes you're like, have this attachment of like, no, but this was always something I was going to do or whatever. So I feel like I have to, but you're like, I don't feel like I have to be true to myself. And that's, but but that's not my, me anymore. (laughs) So like letting that shit go. And like, I think you know, sometimes we, like, I I had this bad habit, you know, personally, like, I would just, like, keep certain people around that were maybe a little toxic. Let Mm -hmm. that shit go, you know, and, like, (laughs) bye. (laughs) But, like, in a real way, like, I, I, I had a hard time, like, blocking people, for example. And now I'm, like, it's okay to block someone. Oh my God, my alarm just went off too happy by Pharrell, <laughs> which is a byproduct as it turns out of letting that shit go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, 
this is I ask everybody is I had this aha months ago and now I like seeing how everyone can apply it to their own life is the phrase of what is easiest for you is not always what is best for you. And can you think of a way to apply it to your own life? What is easiest for me is to do blank. What is best for me is to. Yeah, I mean, I think that what's easiest is to do nothing. It's or what's easy is to, you know, destroy something like it's harder to love. It's harder. You have to water a plant. You have to feed it. You have to give it, you have to care for it, but you could stomp on it. And in a second it's gone. So like the harder thing is to put in the work. And I think that in my life, like um, there's certain things that even though music has been a part of my life, for example, my whole life, I wanted to be better. I wanted to be a better musician for like some time, but I haven't necessarily been willing to put in the work. And I kind of excuse myself a lot with like, well, I'm working, so I'm kind of playing or I'm kind of doing this. And I'm, you know, and I, I think the, in my heart, I feel and I felt for some time, like the need to be really great at music. Like, I really feel like it's hard for me to put in the discipline and to put in the time and the, you know, whatever. I even signed up, I'm starting next month at Berkeley Music Online for a guitar to be like a better guitar player. And like, I've been taking like violin lessons again. I'm like little things. Wow. So for me, I apply it like putting in the work, you know? Another thing too is like, I had made this nonprofit like a a little while back and all we've done with it, it's called Creative Minds Care. And all we, we had done with it was like some films and things like that. But the idea was to put on these like big benefit concerts to raise money for Alzheimer's research. And now, um, like I was kind of set up to do it in LA and then I got this gig. So now I'm in New York. I'm like, well, don't let that stop you just because you don't know exactly how to do it. And so I've been like talking to people and people have been introducing me to other people. And like, now we have a venue and a host and, a, you know, we're like putting it together. And like, so I think this for me, like, the hard thing is just not getting in your own way and like just doing the work. Like it's not always going to be easy and you might not always know what it is, but like just keep showing up and like do the hard part. Yeah. It's like what's easiest is to get in your own way, which is ridiculous that it's yeah. actually easier to get in your own way and stop yourself than it is to like just start doing the thing. We are so do. good at stopping ourselves. We're like, oh, like, <laughs> this, 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 and this. It's like, we're so good at it. I'm yeah. great. But, <laughs> but totally. I, yeah. Okay. So the podcast is called Claim It, yes. meaning that it's up to us to claim our worth, our value, our enoughness, our joy. What are you claiming for yourself right now? Hmm. I'm claiming aliveness. Oh. I don't know, that word just came to me now. Like just whatever it is that makes you feel alive and then follow that and keep making things that like, because I feel like when you do feel alive, you make other people around you come alive. And I yeah. think- that act of like waking up and waking our spirits up because we're kind of like society kind of dampens our, our, our voices and our, our, our fire, you know? So it's really, yeah. Aliveness. I claim, uh, how do you say <laughs> Like I claim my aliveness. <laughs> yeah, no. And that's true. Like, and I think so often people like can think like, Oh no, I got to like act. Let me like dumb it down some or like dull myself a little bit. Like people are going to think I'm too weird or this or trying to show off. But it's like, the truth is, 
that when we see people that are lit up, alive, like feeling like soak, that we're usually like, oh, okay, like oh, like that's possible, or like yeah. I, how do I get some of that? Like you, you notice like, huh? I don't feel like that. Maybe I want to feel like that. What would do I do like? But it actually like inspires other people and wants them to come more alive as well. Yeah. 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 Awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm so inspired Thank by you. you, honestly. And I'm so glad we got to have this conversation. Oh my God. I'm so glad. Thank you for having me. And you're just a badass and awesome and all the things on your the good things on your <laughs> magical and bad, badassery. You're awesome. And I'm yeah, it was so good talking with you, keeping up and sharing all these things. I hope that you guys have now fallen in love with Yvette (laughs) and um, are feeling inspired by her trusting herself and her whole journey. Yeah, I really was inspired by her and her story and continue to be inspired by her. You can find full show notes at yourjoelgist.com slash podcast. You can find Yvette. She's Yvette Naser um, on all social media, YvetteNaser.com. Those will be listed in the show notes. If you're like, how do I spell that? And no problem. Of course, you can find all things me at YourJoyologist.com. I'm at YourJoyologist on Instagram. Please share the podcast. Share with us. Let us know what parts you love the most that touched you the most. And I'd love it if you leave a review on the podcast. That means something to me, (laughs) but it also makes it more um, viewable, listenable out in the world so more people can find it and be inspired by these stories and their journeys. And if you do, feel free to screenshot it and email it to me at podcast at yourdwellgist.com. Each week, I send a box full of my product line, my inspiring goodies out to someone as a thank you. So of course... Remember to check out my Own Your Awesome app in the App Store. Check out my products. And above all, claim your joy. Claim your worth. Claim your enoughness right now. Think of how do you want to feel in your life? How do you want to feel? And then claim that for yourself. And in the claiming, you'll keep stepping more and more into it. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Send me a message. Love to hear from you.